So I took note, Shelley's announcement, which said, husbands, you're going to have to talk to your wives. That means more than a grunt. Okay, so come prepared to talk, to communicate, to tell her she's amazing and wonderful. And I trust that after the course, you'll be saying it more often. So I'm coming to be enriched, my love. Thank you for that. I have the privilege this morning to launch our new preaching series called Radical. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to journey through the book of Galatians together. And so I borrowed, uh, as Brad anchored the meeting this morning, uh, he mentioned the sentence, one sentence can change your life. So that's the title of the topic this morning. One sentence can change a life. Anyone familiar with the characters Asterix and Obelix? Yeah, <laughs> hey, put your hands up. <laughs> Even some young guys. Or Galatians, Gauls. And uh, I loved reading those comics. And, uh, and so as Paul is writing this letter of Galatians, that's who he's addressing this letter to, to the Gauls. Not to Asterix and Obelix, obviously, but, if, <laughs> but uh, a very interesting comic, you know, if you, if you read it. Asterix and, and Obelix made their lifelong mission to live free and to help the Gauls live from the freedom of the oppression of the Romans. And so that's the, the context of the comic, the story as lived out by Asterix and Obelix. And this letter that Paul is writing to the church that meets in Galatia has a similar vein. He's writing to them, saying to them, I'm wanting you to live free. That's the message that Galatians drives home for us. And so he encourages them in this letter to remain committed and true to the gospel that brought them salvation. So he's writing, yes, to the church, but interspersed in the verses that are written to the church, there is hope being revealed to those who don't know Jesus. And the Paul's wanting them to live in freedom. And so we, the church, we get this great privilege to know Christ, but we also live in this incredible privilege of making Him known. Is that not true? So this letter that Paul writes, this letter to the Gauls that live in Galatia, has often been referred to as the Declaration of Christian Liberty. The Declaration of Christian Liberty. Martin Luther, you're familiar with Martin Luther. He called it, his Catherine von Bora. So Catherine von Bora was his wife. So he called it his Catherine von Bora because he says, I'm married to this letter. I'm married to the truth. Isn't that not beautiful? I have this covenantal commitment to the truth revealed in this letter because that's life to me. I love that. And as we walk through the truths of this letter over the next couple of weeks, we're going to through, uh, view them sorry, through the lens of the challenges of our own age. So Paul writes this letter dealing with an issue of legalism, that which is coming to put the people who have received the gospel back into bondage. And so Paul says, I'm wanting you to live free. And that, the, the essence, the heartbeat of that letter rings true for us today. Jesus wants us, friends, to live in freedom. And so the gospel today, I believe, is under attack. Freedom for those who follow Christ is under threat. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And uh, he begins the sentence by these words, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God 
who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. And then this is the indictment of the Gauls. He says, you are following a different way that pretends to be good news. But it is not good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Fast forward to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm reading now out of the ESV. Paul writes, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So his, his language has changed a little bit from, I'm now shocked. He's now saying, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Foolish in the context that Paul is using it, the sense of the word. He's saying, you have lost your brains. <laughs> this is radical language. How many messages do we hear today where we are told you have lost your brains? Paul finds it necessary. He says, you're foolish. You're not, not behaving. You're not acting. You're not living in the freedom that Christ has bought you by his death upon the cross. But these days we listen to messages and we, it's okay to have messages preached to us where they're politically correct, where the message is packaged in such a way that it appeases everyone. And I just love sometimes Paul is quite forthright. I still believe he is sensitive in the way he communicates it, but he's quite forthright in what he communicates because he's contending, friends, for the faith of these converts. His message is radical. And it needs to be radical. In an age where anything goes and everything goes, and the gospel has been diluted and marginalized, we need to hear messages that bring us back to the truth and the foundation of the cross. And he highlights the issue for the Galatians. Legalism is an issue that's taking them back to bondage, a works-based faith. And he's saying that is a different gospel. We're not only having to contend with legalism. We are having to contend in our time with the social gospel that is deceiving people. The church needs to come back to the radical message, radical message of the good news, the gospel. You see, the social gospel is a man-inspired system that places emphasis on the present and the physical. And so what it does, its message makes eternal life elusive and it dilutes the supernatural. That's what the social gospel does. Somebody said this. He said the social gospel is more interested in telling man how to enhance his physical, economic, and mental state than it is. Is not true? The primary mission of the social gospel is feeding Filling, soothing the physical, economic appetites of people rather than providing for man's spiritual needs and salvation. The danger of the social gospel. So Paul says, like the Gauls, if we read it and that's captivated us, we have been bewitched. Archibald Brown, Baptist preacher, this is what he said. He says, the devil has seldom done a cleverer thing than hinting to the church of Christ that part of her mission is to provide entertainment for the people with a view to winning them into her ranks. 
The human nature that lies in every heart has risen to the bait. Here now, here now is an opportunity of gratifying the flesh and yet retaining a comfortable conscience. We can now please ourselves in order to do good to others. And this is so profound, and this gripped my heart. He says, the rough old cross. This is a danger. The rough old cross can be exchanged for a costume. And the exchange can be made with the benevolent purpose of elevating the people. That's happened to us. We have been bewitched. Paul writes this, Galatians 1, verses 6 to 7. And in a way, this is the truth that Archibald Brown pins his observation on. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. This social gospel becomes for us the gospel that self-exalts the benevolent purpose of elevating people. Deserting Christ for a gospel that demotes Jesus and that promotes self-authority and self-determination. As Dr. Phil would say, you all familiar with Dr. Phil? How's that going for you? Not too well, I would say, based on what I see around us. So Paul, at the beginning of this letter, this beautiful letter, he presents Jesus as the authentic gospel. He is the only one that can transform lives. The razzmatazz of the social gospel that's dazzling people is keeping us distracted from the real Jesus for one sentence. One sentence, one sentence that can change our life forever. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as, the, as God the Father, our Father, it is Father's Day. And we celebrate fathers, we celebrate dads and granddads, but there's one we celebrate even more. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. One sentence, one sentence that can change our life. And this one sentence this morning is a radical message. It's a radical message because it's not a message. It's not a message that is constantly, committedly, with great conviction preached in many spheres today. This message is radical. It should blow our puny little minds that God would place His Son on the cross to die for someone who is undeserving. It's radical. It's radical. And it's interesting when we read that sentence, the plan is God's plan. And He partners with His Son, Jesus. You know that Jesus willingly went to the cross. He didn't go kicking and screaming, dragged, not me, not me. He willingly participated in God's redemptive plan. Isaiah puts it like this, Isaiah 53, verse 7 to 8. It gives me a fresh appreciation for Jesus being part of God's redemptive plan for all of humanity. He was oppressed. This is a radical message of the gospel. 
He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. An incredible, incredible truth. Jesus died for us. This radical message of the gospel. Martin Luther comments. He says that these very words, this one sentence that we read in Galatians chapter 1 verse 5 are like thunderclaps from heaven. They're like thunderclaps from heaven. And then he goes on to write in verse 5, All glory to who? God. Forever and ever. Amen. The radical message of this gospel is that a radical love. Which father would place his son upon the cross to die for somebody who is undeserving? I don't know any other father that would do that. I don't know any other God that has done that. But our Father in heaven. Radical love demonstrated. Radical message proclaimed. And a radical response to that is required. Two short verses. Two short verses. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God the Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory. All glory. All glory. Not to man, not to the church. All glory. To God forever and ever. Amen. In these two short sentences, the source and the substance of the gospel is revealed. The source and the substance of the gospel is revealed. Loving kindness displayed. Loving kindness demonstrated to an undeserving people. Now we all know because of our sin. Don't have to unpack. We covered all of that in Romans a couple of months ago. The love of the Father is demonstrated to an undeserving people. Grace. Saved by grace, not by faith, not by works. But because of His grace demonstrated by His death upon the cross, we can all live free. Changing the gospel, presenting a different one is nothing new. In his day, Paul's contending with legalism. Judaizers taking converts back into bondage. Our age, the cross is exchanged for a costume. All glitz and glamour and just not but substance of truth and messages. The gospel sounds, looks like truth, but it is dressed in a way that attracts man and panders to his self-exalting nature. Would you not agree with me on that? Authentic gospel is a radical message. It centers on a person. Maybe the music team can come up, please. The authentic gospel is a radical message. It centers not on man, doesn't center on the songs that we sing, doesn't center on a great welcome team, which we do have, doesn't center on a, a well-attended prayer meeting, well-presented marriage course, the true gospel, authentic gospel, centers on a person, Jesus, 
the Son of God. It centers on a price that was paid. He died, as we read in Isaiah 53, a gruesome death, sacrificially went to the cross and died upon the cross for you and I. It centers on a person, it centers upon a price, and it has a purpose. And the purpose is to deliver sinners from bondage and bring them into freedom, liberty, reconciled with God, brought into a position of sonship and daughtership. That's a new word. It's a radical gospel which requires a radical response. Just one sentence can change our life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul writes, My old self, my old self, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Please stand with me. If that is true, friends, if that is true, we believe that Jesus died for me, and my sin was crucified on the cross with him, then surely the next so I live now, present tense, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That one sentence that transforms a life causes us to ask a question of ourselves. Where is our wealth? Where is our wealth? What are we trusting in? What are we hoping in? Or for? What, where, and whom do we find our peace? Beautiful song. My wealth is in the cross. There's nothing more I want than just to know His love. My heart is set on Christ and I will count all else as loss. The greatest of my crowns, the greatest of my achievements, pursuits, that which I consider important means nothing now. I count it all as loss. For I counted up the cross and I've discovered all my wealth is in the cross. One sentence, one sentence changed our life forever. Maybe this morning, came into this building. I don't know what your past is. I don't know what you've been wrestling with, what you've been struggling with. But I know this. I can identify with you if you are because I used to. And at times I still do. But my hope I find in Jesus. My strength I find in Jesus. My peace I find in Him. Nothing else can satisfy like He does. Tammy's word, I think it's so key this morning, maybe for some of you. He wants to adopt you as his sons and daughters and give you a hope and a future. Maybe you came in this morning as an orphan. 
you'll walk out of this place. If you receive Jesus and you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, as a son and a daughter, and you have a father who loves you, irrespective of you've been disappointed, let down by an earthly father, there is a father in heaven who loves you. He wants to reveal his love to you this morning and let you know that you are considered valuable in his sight. Just as we worship, lift up your hearts. If you're wanting to respond to the invitation, I'm going to ask you this morning to come to the front as we worship. We're just going to spend some time to pray with you and trust that we will introduce you to the Father who loves you. Maybe you've run from Him and you've been hiding. Today's the day. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back, son, daughter.